Namaste. So I'm going to review what we went over in the first episode real quick, and then we'll get into the structural underpinnings of the differences between eternalism and timelessness. Ready? Sanatana Dharma means eternal, beginningless and endless, forever in the past and future. But the corollaries are that the world, past and future, exist and are objectively real. Whereas the Buddha's Akaliko Dhamma means timeless or immediate, outside of time, forever in the here and now. And the corollaries of this view are that the world, past and future are imaginary. Only the present subjective experience is conditionally real. So if we want reality, we have to look to our own consciousness. That the world and objects, uh, we have a story about that, huh? that the world is real, objects exist, and that they're out there somewhere. And we contact them through the senses. But is that story really true? Consider this. When you go to sleep at night, this whole world of objects disappears. Poof, it's gone. And you enter the world of dreams, where there are all kinds of other people, objects, things going on, etc. And then that world disappears, and you go into dreamless sleep. So, what's real? This is the question that has dogged philosophers forever. And the Buddha solved it, and we'll get to his solution in just a little bit. Now let's talk about eternalism and some of its consequences. The Buddha called eternalism dutta, and it leads to a dyad, views about eternalism and views about annihilation. You cannot consider that the self or the world or things are eternal without also bringing into existence the idea of annihilation. See, if the world is real, it must have been created. And if it was created, then at some point it's going to fail because that's the way of all created things, isn't it? This body, other objects that are created or fabricated only have a limited lifespan. And when it's over, they disappear. So by invoking the idea of eternal existence, we also get the nightmare of annihilation. However, Buddha's view, akalika, means not dependent on time not limited to a particular time. And it also means immediate or immediately effective. So in other words, the Akalika view is always valid, as the Buddha says, whether there is an arising of a Tathagata or not, whether there is a Buddha present or not. This view is always true. It's always valid. And there's really no past and no future. Those are just mental constructs. 
that we make up, stories that we make up to explain how things are going on. And that actually everything happens now, doesn't it? Everything that happens, happens in the present. And so the teaching, the Buddha Dhamma, is also a kaliko. And when you get it right, when you get the practice right, it has effect immediately. You don't have to wait. So how is this that these two views, these two ways of looking at time, have such amazingly different effects, consequences? So let me go through an analysis uh, comparing the two. Vedic eternalism, Sanatana Dharma, has an unlimited past and an unlimited future. And what does that look like to us? That there are three times, past, present, and future. And what this does, what it means philosophically, is that it inclines toward objectification and becoming. That means that something can start in the past as a cause. It can develop in the present as a manifestation. And then it can wither and die in the future. Past, present, future. See? Birth, life, death. So we have to put up with this. We have to suffer this view. Whereas... In the Buddha's way of looking at things, the timeless way of looking at things, Akaliko Dhamma, there is no time. Timelessness, just infinite, unlimited, endless timelessness. And that everything we see is only now. Huh? What we think of as past is actually now. What we think of as future is also actually now. It's just our view. And this inclines toward emptiness and voidness. So what does that mean? That means we are not trapped by time. We can have an existence that is always in the present. We don't have to be haunted by the past we don't have to worry about the future. But we can remain in innocence in the present without this extra burden of having to consider time. And these views have more consequences. Take a look. The Vedic eternalism posits an absolute. I've symbolized it here with Aum. Aum represents Brahman. So Brahman also has an infinite past and an infinite future. Derived from that absolute being, the manifested being also has a past, present, and future. So the model of Vedic eternalism is based on time and objectification. Even Brahman is turned into an object and worshipped as God and so on. So, as we see, we will see, this has consequences for the process of self-realization. However, in Buddha's timelessness, 
the absolute, if there, there really isn't a concept of an absolute, but if there was one, it would be Nibbana. Nibbana is the reality underlying everything. And as we said, the only time is now. So this view is based on timelessness and emptiness from the very beginning. See, the Vedic view says we're going to reach timelessness or eternity is what they call it at the end, at the end of the path. Up until then, everything is time, past, present, future, objects, causality, karma, see, and this and that. All these different objects, huh? all these different moving parts playing together. And then finally, at the end, we make this big leap and we wind up in Brahman. But Buddhist teaching says, no, we start from timelessness and voidness or emptiness from the very beginning. It's always like that. It's never not like that. Now, keep in mind, these are just views. It's not, there's no claim. Well, actually, on the Vedic side, there is the claim that this is the absolute truth. This is the way it is, you know, and like that. Dogmatism. But on the Buddha's side, he doesn't make any claim to say, I have the absolute truth. I know everything. Nobody else knows anything. No, these are just views. But views have consequences for our self-realization. And it turns out by experience, we find the Buddha's view is more expedient for self-realization. It makes the path easier. In particular, it makes the transition from objects to non-objects, huh? from, from uh, external consciousness to internal consciousness, much, much easier without having to go over that terrifying gap of dissolution. So keep in mind, these are just views. They're just ways of looking at things, but they have consequences for our self-realization according to our view. Some people might want to call it a belief, but no, it's just a point of view. And from that point of view, the way we see things can help us on our path or hinder us if we have wrong view. Now, the Vedic Sanatana Dharma, mathematically or ontologically, is based on triples, past, present, and future. A, U, N, go together to make Aum. Okay, we've gone over triples and ontology extensively in the early videos on this channel, so I'm not gonna repeat all that here. But the idea is three in one. Huh? Just like the Christian Trinity, three in one. And they borrowed that idea from the Vedas, though they don't admit it. <laughs> so in the Vedas, we have three in one. And the idea is to reduce the three down to one. And then you get it, right? You become one with Brahman. See, it's difficult because if Brahman is one, it's already one. Everything is already Brahman. Nothing has to change, nothing has to move, nothing has to be transformed. Uh, 
It's already that way. And simply we're missing it because of karma or something or other. It's kind of vague in the Vedic teaching. But in the Buddhist teaching, it's very exact. Nibbana is the ground of all being. And now is the only time. And it's based on emptiness. It's based on zero. It's zero from the start to the end. Huh? You're already part of the whole. You don't have to do anything except remove the wrong view. Remove the wrong views and the void shines out all by itself. Now the Vedas get all confused over the idea of creation. Because if the world has a past, present, and future, it must have been created. So how was it created? Well, the Upanishad says, Katang asata How could being come out of non-being? <laughs> See, this immediately gets you into a logical tangle. Because if there's nothing, how can it create something? Huh? And there's another quote, Nasadasit no sadasit tadaning. There was neither non-being nor being at the beginning. Huh? Yeah, like that solves everything, right? <laughs> so the Vedas got kind of confused and tangled up because of this idea of being and non-being. Who's, you know, who's on first? Who created the world? How did it come to be? And so on. But the Buddha solves this problem very nicely. He says there wasn't a creator. Uh, there isn't a soul to the universe. It's just natural. It just happens. Uh, what's real is Nibbana. What's real is consciousness or actually objectless awareness, unconditioned consciousness. And the solution to the question of creation is here. Upadana pachaya bhava. When grasping or clinging arises, becoming and conditioned existence arise. And Buddha's solution to the end of the world is also very clear. Upadana niroda pava nirodo. When grasping or clinging ceases, becoming and conditioned existence cease as well. It's not that consciousness arises in the world out of some combination of conditions. That theory is impossible to prove. And the objective scientific types have been trying to prove that for a long time and they can't do it. That's why they call consciousness the hard problem. Well, the, the thing that makes it hard is their wrong assumptions, that's all. They think that everything is coming from the world, but no, it's the other way around. The world is coming from consciousness. Here's a nice quote from the Buddha. And what, bhikkhus, is the origin of the world? In dependence on the eye and forms, eye consciousness arises. The meeting of the three is contact. 
With contact as condition, feeling comes to be. With feeling as condition, craving comes to be. With craving as condition, clinging. With clinging as condition, existence. With existence as condition, birth. With birth as condition, aging and death, sorrow, lamentation, pain, displeasure and despair come to be. This bhikkhus is the origin of the world. So you see, consciousness always has an object. And the object is seen or perceived through the senses. The senses are, of course, part of the world, part of the body. So as soon as this type of conditioned consciousness arises, dependent on the eye and the objects, these three combine together to create the sense base of sight. So then we look around and we see all this stuff and we think that it's real. But actually, without the background of unconditioned awareness, none of this could happen. But then, that consciousness, that conditioned consciousness having arisen, there are so many consequences, see? Because of that consciousness, then well, contact comes, and then feeling, and then craving, and then clinging. Huh? And because of clinging, then becoming, the body comes into existence, then birth. And then, of course, you know the rest of the story. That's why you're here. You're looking for the antidote to that suffering. So we'll get to that soon enough, don't worry. So this philosophy, which you may not have heard before, is based on the principle of idapachayata. The Buddha says, iti imasmi sati idahoti. Imasupada ida upajati. Imasmi asati ida nahoti. Imasanirodha ida nirajati. Thus, this being, this comes to be. With the arising of this, this arises. This not being, this does not come to be. With the cessation of this, this ceases. We talked about this before, that this is dependent arising, dependent origination. And I likened it to two ends of a stick. Well, I just happen to have a stick at <laughs> this time. So this is the cause and this is the effect, right? If I throw the stick, if I throw one end, huh, the other end also goes. So if I throw the cause, the effect automatically goes with it. And we're going to get deep into this dependent arising in the future episodes because this was the key to the Buddha's enlightenment. And it's also the key to the complete cessation of suffering. Buddha Saranai. Thanks for being with us. If you've made it this far, you'd probably like our YouTube channel too. Visit YouTube slash user slash Dharmasara.
D-H-A-R-M-A-S-A-R-A. See you there.